Welcome in to the Amon Green Show on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. 12-year NFL veteran. He's got some speed to go with strength. Huskers and Green Bay Packers Hall of Famer. Shovel pass to Green into Vikings territory. Finally brought down. And University of Nebraska eSports coach. your host, Amon Green. Oh, one sec here, Amon. All right, welcome into oh, no, the Amon audio? Green Show. Audio? You're good now. One more intro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll do that again. Hey, this is Amon Green. Welcome to the Amon Green Show with my boy Harrison on the ones and twos in Lincoln. Arthur on what, 11th and O? Right on the corner. You could, ride, you could drive by and Give him away. Oh, yeah. Super yeah. nice to do. Try. We got a cozy back here in the studios. The mill's closed, obviously, but yeah, always a good time right. to shout out. We will have Chancellor Brewington down here at 8 p.m. He's going to debut his show. Or I should say his return. He used to have a show with Thicket. He'll be back. Uh, so, yeah, nice. you still have opportunity to come down, meet some of the guys. No coffee, but doors will be open. You can always get a yeah. handshake and an autograph. <laughs> yeah, no cup of Joe right now, but we might have some other Joes in the house. So. <laughs> Oh man, so oh got got a lot of good stuff that I know to talk about. It's always good stuff. I know the whole playoff picture, right? Mm-hmm. For NFL. And now we know obviously who's gonna be playing in the natty, as the players call it, but the national championship for college football. It is up to par right here. I didn't even know until last weekend that it was here in Houston. <laughs> I'm like, how did I miss that? I'm like, how did I uh I would have had me a ticket for sure. Yeah, so you're gonna be heading back, missing it right in time, or when are you when are you gonna be back here no, in Lincoln? Uh, so I'll be back next weekend. So no, I'll be there on okay. Monday. I might I might try to scrounge something up, <laughs> yeah. you know, make a few calls because I wouldn't mind seeing this game in person. Um one thing I have not done, I've done a lot of stuff in the NFL as a fan now. Like I've been to Super Bowl, I've been to um Pro Bowl, but I haven't went to the game. Um, and I've been to the draft as a fan, so I've experienced everything as a player and as a, as, you know, being in retirement now, but I have not experienced as a former college football athlete going to a national title game in person. So that'll be, that's on my checklist. So I might be able to check this off. It's on a Monday. We, we not, we're doing all, we do, we got a full weekend. We're doing a whole bunch of family stuff because this would be the last weekend I'm going to be in town. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of hanging out couple birthday parties and stuff like that so monday would be prime so i don't think i could i think i could probably find tickets anywhere between if it's between 50 and 100 i'm in yeah if, i mean it. if you take some pictures and slap a 93.7 the ticket logo i'm sure uh, i'm sure we can figure it out for you <laughs> oh pre- appreciate you dp everybody else rebecca everybody else for that that's what i could do i could definitely do that i'm, I'm all about taking candid shots oh yeah, yeah whatever i'm doing um coming up this year and this year is going to be a fun year i got a lot of stuff already up to slate um that's coming up here in the next month or so but uh but yeah get into i know so what's what's the word in lincoln right now what's well we got husker now? hoops at two hours from now at 8 p.m and inj- interesting men's or women men's they got indiana in a couple hours here at home at the vault before they head out and they will play wisconsin 
on the road, a ranked Wisconsin that's right. team. And that's why they got that three games that we were yep. talking about. Nebraska, yep, and then they got produced. So tonight's Wisconsin and a Purdue, big right. night for them because I think if you are Nebraska basketball, you've had a good start to this point in the season, but in the Big Ten, that, that's kind of a given for most teams in the Big Ten. Unfortunately, Nebraska has just been at the bottom of the barrel, so the beginning of the season really hasn't been that great for us. Uh, but this is a year where I think if you go into this Indiana game, you go into Wisconsin-Purdue, mm-hmm. out of those three if you can find a way to just win two of those games, that's fantastic. I think that's the level of expectation you need if you want mm-hmm. people outside of Nebraska to start talking about this program and see them as a tournament team, not as, you know, 58 getting in there, an NIT team, but to really look right. at Nebraska basketball as like this is a team that belongs in the group of 64 for March Madness. There's still plenty of season left, but if you're going to start, I know we already have a couple conference games under our belt. But this is right. conference all the way out. So you're really going to get the real challenges now. And again, for yes. Nebraska, just get that credibility. You're going to have to start winning these games. Uh, you don't want to have what you had last season where it's a really slow, mm-hmm. grueling start and you try to mm-hmm. catch momentum late in the season where your only opportunities are making a deep rush in the Big Ten tournament. So, I mean, Amon, how, how big of a momentum shift is this? I know it's early season, but if Nebraska yeah. can grab just even two of these three Two of them ranked opponents, Indiana, not ranked, but not any team you can just walk right on over, as we saw with Minnesota. Right. If you get, yeah, you catch a game early from these big 10 teams that, like I said yesterday, traditionally, Big 10 has been a tough conference in terms of NCAA basketball bracket, mm-hmm. um, just like an ACC, SEC, right? They have those teams that just show up like Duke, like North Carolina, and then other conferences. So, if you could catch these games early, you do two. You do a couple of things here. You build momentum for the season, um, and then you build confidence for the for the players. And now the coaching staff will be dealing with a mindset of a player now that has that game confidence. Like we beat Indiana, or we beat Wisconsin in Wisconsin, or we beat Purdue, or we kept it close. Let's say they don't win. Let's you know, there's so many different options, right? Let's just say we don't win none of these games, but. Every game is a tight game. We mm-hmm. keep it within five to three points. Even that, for a good player, for solid you know, players confident in their game, that is a win because knowing that where these teams go usually come March, come April, is into deep into the bracket, and we could keep it close here early. Now we're going to eventually get our legs under us. We'll, we'll find out other emerging players on the roster that will step up um, and find out who's going to be. We know the people that's going to step up, then we might have a dark horse that might come up out of the off the six man rotation and be like, or right, now we got this person mm-hmm. that's going to be somebody that's going to help us out and that we could depend on that when they have the ball in their hand, it, it's a problem to the other team when they switch the off or switch the defense. So now you just have a new these scenarios pop up. It's like, yeah, we're we're talking about this and that is a so it's a topic around the city. And for players, obviously, when you hear that conversation, it's like it's almost like a little. I'll talk about it all the time. It'll be a little anxiety pressure coming on us like man you know these are big games and it'd be cool to win but it's like yeah yeah i know it'd be cool to win but let's just, let's go out here and, and win and if we don't when we fall short at least we know that we competed at the highest level and we're not that far off if we lost by you know five to three the two to one point or we go to overtime mm-hmm. and we lose there or if we go to overtime and win either way that ball bounces at that standpoint it's now then just a matter of time to where consistently we're competing against these teams in the Big Ten that have always been at a higher level. 
Yeah, and that's the thing with when you're talking about Nebraska basketball, it it's, it does significantly matter because that net ranking is definitely going to look at how bad you got beat. You know that point differential. Mm-hmm. If you show up yeah. to a game and you you just show up with no pride, and the scoreboard starts getting ugly, um, yeah, that matters. The net rankings do take that into account. So even if you're not winning the game, you gotta at least do everything you can to keep it close. That's going to take account for. And with Nebraska, it's just momentum. It feels like that's what this program needs. It's just a few mm-hmm. feel-good stories to kind of go your way to start get this momentum and everything heading in your direction. Looking at this cast of players, and I'll throw this out to the starter Heyman text line as well, 402-464-5685. With this stretch of these three games coming up, again, I'm not, I don't want to look, overlook Indiana at all, especially since we lost to Minnesota. Oh, yeah. You see yeah, that we in the can. Big Ten all as, the time. As, as, as mm-hmm. media, we could overlook them, yeah. but the players cannot. Absolutely. Players and coaches cannot. But I'm, I'm curious, who do you think – we're going to see be that guy throughout these next three stretches of games, or if it's going to be by committee again, rink mast will be a game time decision. I haven't seen anything mm-hmm. yet that says he will be starting, um, but I'm sure it'll be out here pretty soon as we get the starters. Uh, and then again, Casey Tominaga, solid player. You, you see the defenses still respect him. He hasn't had that game where he erupts, you know, mm-hmm. with crazy from the three point line. He's had a few solid games from there. But you can still see the defense uh, really respect him. Juwan Gary's been consistent. Rink Mast, I just said his name. I think he's a big part. Um, But we'll have Blaze Keita possibly entering the lineup as well. Who do you think, Iman, is going to be the most crucial players that you expect to really step up here in these next few games? The guy I should mention, too, is Josiah Alec. I I think he's a good physical player. Um, He's just got to really keep learning how to use his size and physicality because he's a guy where I think if he can get his feet under him to be a little more calm, patient, stay a little more mm-hmm. coordinated, kind of like mass game. I think he can be really effective, especially when we get to this big 10 play with these more physical, uh, just bigger, taller teams. Yeah. I say somebody between, like you mentioned, Josiah Alec, and I could say CJ Welcher, you know, having yeah. themselves get in a position of, cause they're already on a, they're on a rhythm right now. Mm-hmm. They're having, I believe, what CJ had, what, 18 points, 16, 18 points last game against South Carolina Carolina State, a team that obviously they beat. But still, getting in them points and getting in that rhythm of, of shots, getting that rhythm of going back and forth down that court with your teammates and knowing the play, knowing where they're going to attack the the other team, if it's going to be in the paint or if it's going to be from the three-point line or or in between them, that those areas. When they get in that rhythm, knowing they're coming down, it's comfortable, okay, the ball's going to, you know, couple passes here and then once I get to my spot I'm pulling up and ready to go so somebody like CJ somebody like um uh what's his name uh, Josiah I just mentioned mm-hmm. um getting in that rhythm will help them and then be somebody that like I say somebody coming off the bench or extra player that they weren't expecting outside of the, the starting five can be that somebody that could I say change the the wave of a game and the momentum of the game when they need it that's what's most interesting I I feel like I've been wrong a few times with this team already. I keep thinking at some point sooner or later, this team is going to get late into that second half. The game's going to be close. It can't be. It It's great if it works that way, but it can't be. Hey, we're going to committee this win with two minutes left on the clock. Obviously, you want a little bit of playmaking. You don't want to see stagnant ball play, but it just feels yeah. like we keep needing that guy to step up. And I've been wrong about three times on that already this season. We've had multiple games with every starter in double digits. So maybe we don't necessarily need uh, a crazy performance from Tom and Aga or any of those guys. But if they can just consistently keep getting in double digits, an all-around T performance, because it's been about, mm-hmm. I think, every other game 
there's been a different leading score. It, it, it makes it incredibly hard on defenses. I managed to scout this Nebraska basketball team just for the sake of you don't know who that offense is going to run through other than the mm-hmm. entire team. The assist numbers have been great. But I do wonder when we get to these tougher stretches, um, if we are going to be looking at Tom Naga or even Wiltshire, if he's having that game, or if it's just going to continue to be by committee. Uh, we do have Tommy from the text line. Would you rather go one and two over the next three games if they're all close games or go two and one over the next three games, but lose one game in a huge blowout? Um, all right. I'd probably take the two wins. Yeah, I'm always going to take more wins. Even if it's a blowout, I'm I'm going for two wins. Unless that, you know, blowout's to Indiana. That might look really ugly in the right. rankings. <laughs> right. Uh, for me, I would take the one loss with the two close win or two close, I say two close games. Okay. And losing those two. I'll take the, I mean, the one win, I'm sorry, one win with the two close losses. Because I, it's this episode that just popped in my head from the Cosby show. When Bill Cosby is talking to Theo, his son, in the, in the episode, and Theo was having a couple of uh, problems in class where mm-hmm. his grades were struggling. And he said, you know, he, he said um, he was, Theo was so hard to, on hard on himself to get an A in the class, right? He's like, I want an A, I'm studying. And he found out later in the episode that he had dyslexia. So it was really something that he couldn't control, but he still was pushing for this A. But before he found out about the dyslexia as part of it, he, you know, his him and his dad had to sit down. You know how to, well, if you you go YouTube with Cosby Show, Harrison, you can, you can see what I'm talking about. <laughs> where they have this father and son conversation and Theo is harping on himself. I need an A. I need a, you know, I need an A or A plus. And Dr. Huspel broke it down to him like a father would and basically say, I will take you struggling and, you know, studying hard and getting a hard B, you know, getting a hard B at it because I know you put your effort into it. And then the next time you're going to work even harder and that A eventually is going to come, but I'll take a hard B over, you know, you just got lucky A mm-hmm. or anything like that. So I'd rather talk, take some hard losses early in the season as a coach. We win one, we lose two, but they were close. Like I say, five, 10 to five points is a close game in my world in basketball. Mm-hmm. You give me those early, then we could turn them losses into wins later on in the season when we slip up. I mean, we make a team slip up against us because they've taken us lightly because they saw what happened in the early matches in the Big Ten play. I'm right with you. I, I don't, obviously, for the media, we get to look ahead. What are the real chances this team can upset Purdue? Uh, it, it seems improbable, but you saw Northwestern do it earlier in the season, and Northwestern just got destroyed by Illinois not too long ago. I might, I might have just happened last night. Um, so mm-hmm. it's definitely possible. It's not like this Purdue team is unbeatable. Zach Eady shows his, his weaknesses, his only weaknesses really being, can I get this guy into foul trouble early um, and make them yes. rotate to their next center, which, you know, they typically yeah. got seven footers on the back end anyways, but it's a lot better mm-hmm. than Zach Eady, who's drafted to be a lottery pick currently. How realistic is this Nebraska team got a legitimate chance to upset this Purdue basketball team? I say I say from a percentage chance, I would say there is probably a 35% chance for this happening because of what you just said. And getting Eady getting Edie, um, in foul trouble, that's your biggest, that's one of the things you might have to harp on. And it's, it's nothing bad about that, saying, hey, we get one guy in fa- uh, foul trouble and we get him out early, or he just in foul trouble where he has to go sit on the bench and wait a while to come back into the game, then that gives us time to now exploit him being off the court because he's a problem in the middle offensively and defensively. So th- that's a tool. Mm-hmm. People used to do it to Shaq all the time, hack a Shaq. Hack him where he's not going to score points, and eventually he's going to get bugged out about it, and eventually he, he adjusted. But over time, it was a tool. Jordan rules. What happened to Michael Jordan? Try to go to the paint. They beat him up. 
It started with the Detroit Pistons and all the other teams around the NBA took suit. So when Michael Jordan went to the cup, they were putting an elbow in his chest when he took flight. So not saying they're going to do this to Evie, just saying, hey, get him where he's in some type of trouble offensively, defensively, because then it'll be a little bit easier for your team. That's like I said, coming in, like we both talked about coming in into Big Ten play, playing really good basketball right now. Yeah, you got to attack their best players. That That's the one thing that always drives me nuts is we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but when you are intentionally avoiding their best player, now you're just letting them get comfortable and you're already letting them win the mind games. It's like, oh, they're already scared of me. Like, you do not want to let Zach Yeedy get comfortable and let him feel himself out in the paint for the first half. That second half is going to be a nightmare. You got to attack him. If you end up getting in foul trouble, you're going to obviously have to start pulling back, but it's a hell of a lot better than not attempting anything at all, going at the rim. You'd even see that at times with in the NBA with Yao Ming, where I, I had a little little bit different of a high. I mean, the guy was just a tower out there, but yes. teams just would Seven. completely avoid the rim when he was in the paint, and at times it'd be to their own demise. It's like, you know, he might get a few blocks, but he might get a few fouls on it as well, and you can force himself out of, instead of, you know, uh, uh, confronting every single play at the rim, you're going to start making him second guess it as well. His defensive rotations are going to be a little bit slower. And that's yeah. kind of what I think of when you're looking at Zach Eady. He's a guy that, yes, he has the talent, he has the size, uh, but if you don't attack him, he's just going to get comfortable. And that's a nightmare of a situation. But while we're on the topic of centers, before we go to break here, who was the most yeah. dominant center that you've ever got to witness, whether NBA or college? Oh, man. I would have to say I'll start NBA, somebody that. Obviously, I grew up watching during my time, I said, really from high school, because that's when he got into the NBA for me was high school, getting into Nebraska. My freshman year in 1995 was Shaquille O'Neal, you know, seeing him at his infancy, but then growing and what be able to stay track. And while I was playing ball, he was playing ball and how he just matured in different ways. Obviously, the free throw thing was always a thing and never got really good, but got OK at the end of his career. But he dominated with his size. He dominated with his ability to with that intimidation and that's part of his size but then you're taking an advantage of what he can do give me the ball in the paint i'm gonna dunk on you and i'm gonna push you around and then on defense i'm gonna make sure when guys come to the cup i'm gonna deter them the other way and so that's where um Edie is doing that right now for his team and so watching the shack do that during his career and i say um what was the other part of that question you college one if you got one as well yeah college i say college one a guy who basically impressed me from jump because it wasn't the physicality it was more the finesse but he had a little physical to him only when he had to was tim duncan when he was at um wake forest i was like man this kid is i mean and i'm not even a basketball player you know i'm watching I've been watching basketball, right, as a fan. And mm-hmm. I'm like, man, he's he's different. I was like, for all the centers, and it was probably right, it was the same time, around the same, around the same time as Shaquille O'Neal. They were the same age. So seeing him in college and then Shaq in the pros, I hadn't I didn't see a Shaq a whole lot at LSU, but I saw a lot of Tim Duncan at Wake Forest. Well, for whatever reason, I don't know why. But I noticed that Tim Duncan had that outside game. He would play it more like a small forward to a point guard because he could dribble well, he passed well and rebound even better and just had that that cerebralness about him and that's what i think for webanyama is going to be huge in his development right now in the first three to five two to three years of his career having tim duncan in his ear along with popovich on the sidelines during the offseason is going to help him develop into a guy that's going to be 
he's already scary in terms of height. Mm-hmm. But, but knowing that Tim Duncan is in, in his corner because of what he did as an athlete, he was more cerebral than a lot of people, I say, as fans know. But as players, you knew – NBA players knew right away. Tim Duncan, he can do – a lot of things, but he does it from he starts here first up in the head and then he lets the physical take over because being what he was six, eight, six or six, six, nine, six, ten, almost a seven was mm-hmm. seven footer. I believe he was a guy that then eventually he was the the leader on that team, but then could pass, could shoot, could do any, whatever he needed to do or whatever his team asked him to do. Even though he was a great player, he would dumb down his game just to supplement the team. If it meant to him pass the ball, ball more, he would do it. And I think that's what made him great. Yeah, that's that's one. I Even though Tim Duncan gets talked about all the time, I don't know if he gets the flowers he always deserves because he was True. with Manu Ginobili. He was with Popovich. But, um, he was yeah. with Parker as well. And I think everyone looked yes. at it and Kawhi Leonard. Great culmination of players. But Tim Duncan... Yes was definitely the guy that consistently won them games in the regular season. Like you never had to guess if you're going to get production out of Tim Duncan that night. Kawhi Leonard, obviously earlier in his career, um, you weren't mm-hmm. necessarily sure. He really blossomed in the playoffs, which is kind of what made their case. Uh, but the same thing yeah. with Tony Parker, managing normally like they could have off nights. Tim Duncan was consistently the guy. We'll wrap up with this text from the Sarder Heyman text line again, 402-464-5685. Uh, this one's always just a great text. Uh, great memory, I should say, because I know exactly what he's talking about. Cupskirt chimes in. You almost need to pull a Kobe versus Gasol in the Olympics when Kobe ran through his teammate for Ooh, the sake of competition almost. Showed Purdue we aren't scared of them. That's exactly what you need. Uh, and then Thunder Not Colin shouts out along with David Robinson. Another great one as well. So, yes. yeah, plenty of greats in that corner. Um, elite centers that the Spurs just happen to luckily get the drafts picks for. So they got plenty of uh, help in that exactly. department. Victor Wembenyama, Chet Holmgren, the rookie race is exciting nonetheless, but plenty of things to talk about. We got to throw it to break here on the Amon Green Show. Amon streaming in, Harrison back at the 1040 Ticket Studios. We'll talk to you guys on the other side. This is the Amon Green Show on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. All right, welcome back in to Ticket Weeknights on the Amon Green Show. I'm Harrison at the 1040 Ticket Studios, running the ones and twos host of the show. Amon streaming in as always from Houston. We got a few things talked about in that first segment. We talked some Nebraska hoops again. If you guys ever want to join the show, 402-464-5685, as we're about an hour and 30 minutes away from tip-off at the vault. Talks a little bit about NFL as well, as well as some of our greatest NBA centers that we had the experience to witness and kind of following up on that topic before we get to some NFL. Ahmad, I'm curious when we talk about players like Zion Williamson, I'm sure you've heard Stephen A. Smith yeah. really go to town on his weight along been with him a hard. bunch yes. of others. Uh, we just talked <clears throat> about Shaq. Shaq didn't look anything like he did in the NBA that he did look like when he was over at LSU. LSU, he was the skinny. Uh, I don't want to say scrawny, but he was a lot skinnier. Good athletic. bounce. Athletic. We'll say athletic. Yes. He gets <laughs> to the NBA. Uh, the dude just gets really big. And yes, I'm sure he was working out on top of it, but it wasn't like he was the most ripped dude in the world. He just got big. No. Zion looks like a little bit of that same process, but the criticism yeah. for him has been extreme. Uh, being down in New Orleans, I suppose, doesn't help with all the food jokes that are just too easy to make at times. But 100%. What are your then, thoughts on that? Are, we, are people being too hard on Zion Williamson for the whole weight thing? Um, I say, and on top of that, right, social media wasn't quite around when Shaq mm-hmm. was 
getting started. So it, it seems like it's more because just that extra layer of where fans and media can attack a person on any level of being a professional athlete. So social media added, then it does multiply the the memes. You got memes, you got gifts, you have the video, fan-made videos or whatever about him. And, and it's unfortunate. Um, and then he just got to get conscious of his, uh, well, basically how he's keeping in shape. You know, obviously for a professional athlete, you got to understand that this is your body is your office. You got to keep your office clean. You got to look, keep it looking good, because if you don't, then one, the number one thing that would affect is your gameplay. And so that's where for any pro athlete, for any sport, when your gameplay is suffering because you're not taking care of your office, you're not keeping the cabinets, you know, in order. You're not keeping the papers from hanging out of the cabinets and everything just looking sloppy, doesn't look good then it's going to show <clears throat> and if it doesn't show that means you're a phenomenal athlete but also you're going to get the ridicule on top of that because everybody has a picture of what basketball players look like or what mm -hmm. football players look like volleyball baseball tennis golf track athletes we all have a visual of okay that's a sprinter right there or that's a runner that's a really good looking running back um or a good point guard like physically we know what that looks like so when you have a guy, a big guy like him, and first-round draft pick, out of Duke, making a ton of money, Jordan Affley, you have all that other side stuff that happens, then, of course, he's going to be put on that. And if it's the the poof is in the pudding where he's not showing up on the court, then, yeah, they'll have the opportunity. When I say they, the media, like you said, Stephen A., ourselves talking about mm -hmm. it, is then putting that um, – putting him in, in an area where he has to eventually look at himself and say, look, you know what? Some of them might be hitting right home. And hopefully somebody says something that doesn't bother him to a point to where obviously it takes him completely out of the game. But this where he understands, OK, I got to get professional here. I got to get I got to clean up a little bit, get back where I was when I was at Duke, when I was in high school, why I got recruited, <clears throat> why I'm here now at the New Orleans Pelicans and what I'm trying to do and bring this organization to a playoff perennial playoff team. And so he has to understand. That. And that's something you got to I say as an athlete especially at that level, you make it, you got to make it. It's more prideful than anything. I took pride in, I mean, I still do it now. And you know that I talk about it a lot where I take care of my body. I'm drinking a ton of water. I'm getting eight, seven, eight hours of sleep. I'm working out daily. That's what you got to do then. Mm -hmm. Now you can't wait till the back end of your career. You got to start it now. And he's still fresh in his career. What he's I'm maybe five years in, maybe six. I got to look it up. Yeah. Here. I think he's but got he's, one. Two, he's four year four currently. <clears throat> Yeah, so he's mm -hmm. still in the first half of his career. NBA players don't matter the size, at least could get 10 years in, if not more. If they take care of himself, he take care of himself really well, start paying attention to his eating habits, his workout habits, habits in season and off season, then he you're looking at 10, 15, maybe 20 years because he's built like a tank. You know, yeah. he is a big guy. He can, you know, dominate the paint. You know, even though and he has a lot more his IQ, it is acumen of the game because dribble drive. He has that his jumper. I haven't really seen a whole lot of basketball on him in terms of his jump shot. So I can't really I'm not going to speak on that. But I know yeah. he's averaging 33 percent from three so far this season. Career wise. Not uh, bad at all. That's, yeah. Career wise. Good. He's actually about from three point line. He's 34 percent from the three point line throughout his career. So, yeah, not a bad shooter by any means. Yeah. So when you have those stats like that and 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 then have a physical that he has if he's in 
grade A superior pro uh, all-star shape, he's going to be a he's a problem. We saw him at Duke when he was at Duke and he was in shape. He was healthy and young. It was not no positive, nobody in, in the basketball realm that could come close to him, slowing him down, especially when he got running on a fast break. You're not going to get in front of him. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be bad. detrimental to you. It'll be a, it'll be, it'll be a <laughs> business decision, as we say on the bat football field. It'd be a business decision to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take this charge. But I don't know. That's about 280 coming at me. Yeah, so wanna, and uh, he might jump from starting at the free throw line, so you're not going to get the charge right. anyway. <laughs> or you get lucky, he just jump over you like he just said. Yeah. He just he just Michael Jordan over you, ah, and still posterize you. Yeah, you he's know, the, so. he's definitely got the ability. Yeah, just so now he just got to fo- focus up, and and I think a little bit is, is going to get nag. I w- it would it would nag at me, be like, no, I'm better than this. I know what I can do physically, and now let me get there, and then turn all the critics you know, prove them wrong next season or the end of this season. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing that's, I don't know if I need to look at the Pelicans organization and how they handled Zion uh, throughout the dieting. If it was a thing where they were so worried about him being the first rookie to deny his rookie extension contract. I know that was a big story and people are, I wonder mm-hmm. if like, Oh, we're not going to push him on any of this diet stuff or any of this getting back on the court. Cause a lot of the problems came because his first season only played 24 games, second season only 61, third season 29. Uh, and so far, this has been the healthiest start to an NBA season since that second year, that 2021 year. And again, when he's healthy this season, he's averaging 22 points, 58% field goal percentage, 33 from the three-point line. Um, the mm-hmm. rebounds is a little surprising, and the defense is a little surprising but I, I wonder if so much of that is just injury riddled and hasn't been able to get his feet back underneath him and never yeah. wants to call it weight issues when it's realistically um, just health problems that he's always kind of had. But maybe the weight's a part of that. So that's why I look at David Griffin in the Pelicans front office. How did you handle mm-hmm. this guy? You know, Were you really pushing him to come back in a healthy manner? Did you let him go on his own workouts and keep zero tabs on him? Because that doesn't seem quite right either. Um, that's yeah. kind of the story I get with Zion Williamson. What are your odds? Does he finish the rest of the year healthy? Because that's been I his biggest it, problem. Yeah, I would say as an athlete, the athlete, I, w- I wish him, I wish him hope mm-hmm. for that. I wish he does finish his uh, season this year. And he has right now twenty eight games in, and the last, like you said, from his rookie year, where he only finished twenty, he played twenty four games that year, and then sixty one the next year, and then twenty nine last year, playing. And being healthy is all about consistency. And for the players that I grew up watching, you know, bring up Michael Jordan. In those years before he retired and came back after retirement, even after retirement, he played 72 games. Other than is his second or third year where he did something to his foot. Mm-hmm. I think he had a foot. He had a, a foot problem. Either he broke, he fractured. He had a, either a stress fracture or something where he missed games. So. That's out of his control. So, but other than that, when he played, when he was had those championship seasons, did not miss a game. He was in on the court first, out of the court last, or in the meeting rooms first, out of the meeting rooms last. So it's a thing about building that consistency. And it's not hard. Once you start doing it, working up, getting to sleep, hitting the weight room, hitting the court, doing the shoot around early. Kobe, same thing. He would get there three hours before tip off. And be out there full on sweating, and then three hours there, he's back out there again, full mm-hmm. court playing a game. And so it would 
to be there, you got to do those little things. Those are the little things that get you to that area where he's back to Zion is back to that conversation. What we had him in when he was in college where we were like, man, he's going to be a dominant player in NBA. He's dominant now. Um, he has to get back to that and understand that it's going to take time for him to do that and be be the guy he wants to be. But it has to take those little bits by bits, that consistency, consistency to get there. It doesn't happen in one fell swoop. It's called the process. And that's why Abib has that nickname, because he enjoys the process. Hopefully he does. He obviously does because he works out on his shot. His jumper, his three-point is a problem. And so Zion sitting at 33% right now, but then also with points, 22 points per game, if he wants that to get better, and obviously if he wants the critics to get off of him and be on him about his game and not his you know, his weight. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. I'm like, I want to get to a point where eventually they're talking about my game, not talking about how much I weigh. And the problem there is um, – what I knew about him coming in, just knowing being a big guy, like a big athletic guy as he is, that was my first thing, thought process. If I, you know, see him is you got to keep it where you, you know, watch what goes into your body. Keep your body, you know, as clean as possible in terms of being lean muscle, because being a big guy like that on a, you know, on a football field, I put him at, at, a, at a tight end or maybe a big wide receiver you know Mm -hmm. because of his hand you know able to use his hands and eyes very good um so he has to be be like i said be conscious of where he has to be body weight wise and take tabs take notes i used to take notes of how much i weighed every week so did the team you know i weighed 218 for weighing every thursday or friday that we had to do in um the nfl i'm not sure if nba does weigh-ins but that might be something they want to get them on you know, to just kind of say, hey, we want to help you as a team. We don't want to put the pressure on you saying that, you know, you're going to be gone if you don't weigh this amount. But we could, but we know it's something that sometimes people need help with. Here's our help as an organization. We already invested a lot of money with you. So let's do this too. We'll give you people. We have resources. Let us know if you need this for from us um, to fit the bill, whatever, maybe not even that, but just to get that person in and has the knowledge and has the ability to get you, get him where he needs to be physically. Yeah. And that's, I feel like, especially in, since the LeBron era, since we got into that, probably the purest example mm-hmm. alongside Tom Brady on how to take care of your body. Yes. Um, the yes. pacing, that's something Kobe never did was pace. That's kind of, I think why he had a you know, way shorter career on top of that smaller guy, not the same build as LeBron. It's tougher to put that much strain, but yeah, yeah, when you have guys like Zion, like James Harden, even Luca for a little bit, not taking that conditioning to that extreme level, it just feels like you're going to get, you know, thrown in the media, even quiet Leonard, when he got caught one night at a club, you know, it's, it's not really anybody's business, but the media is talking about it because that's not what LeBron would do. So it's kind of that standard that right. I think, unfortunately, we lob all these players in there at the same time, uh, but not everyone's going to be built that way. And if you're Zion, yes, I think part of it's a problem, but I also never expect him to get to that super cut, you know, clean, thin kind of build right. like LeBron. I, agree. Like, I thought people were expecting that. To me, that never seemed like the direction Zion was going to go. He always, he's always going to be that force inside. I never saw him as building up into the quote-unquote quote unquote, next LeBron, which is another phrase we got to get away from. The next KD, next LeBron. Yeah, um, yeah we, I, I've, I've always <laughs> not liked that phrase of talking about who's next or who's the GOAT or who's the best of all time. Mm-hmm. Now, we, I've heard plenty of people break it down, KD being one, LeBron, mm-hmm. even Brian, and Michael Jordan saying, hey, we – for our for every athlete, we're 
in a certain generation, right? And so for each of the generations we're in because of our age, when we were born, we have no control over that. And then it's just about the personality of that athlete, how that athlete grows up, who grows up around the mom, dad, uncle, brothers, cousins, whoever, and develop that person into the person they are as a professional athlete. And yeah, and they go out there and do phenomenal things. But you can't say somebody during my time, like Amon Green was this type of running back, but then compare me to a Walter Payton or compare me to um, a Adrian Peterson mm-hmm. or a um, maybe give me. I'm trying to think. All the current running backs are blanking my mind right now. Delvin Cook, who uh, just got yeah. cut, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, Delvin Cook from the Jets, uh-huh. you know, who was at Minnesota for Aaron Jones and yep. um, AJ Eckler. Paul, we're different athletes. You know, we're all built different. We all have different for for our position running back. I could speak on that very well. Every running back is built different. Oh, yeah. They're twins. I mean, Amir Abdullah, yeah. Divino Zigbo. <laughs> like those exactly. guys, completely Night different. Day. Great Do running backs, the, though. Right. Are they great? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do they play the same position? Yes. But they're built different. They run differently because of those sizes that they are. You know, you got Abdullah um, was a probably maybe like right at six feet, but maybe 205, maybe 210. We got a Zigbo more like six one, six mm-hmm. foot and a half. Two almost two thirty. Yeah, he was big. Yeah, two twenty two. Big dude. So for each of those guys, they've had their greatness about them. But you can't say it's hard to say unless you're just going to be straight opinionated and straight biased. All right, this player is better than this player because of this reason. Then okay, so be it. But as a player, we're not going to say I'm not going to sit here and talk and see Marshawn Lynch and be like I was better than you. Like no, <laughs> I mean seeing him, he's like, bro, you helped me out watching your football game. And how you ran, that's how I use some of that. And I'm like, thank you. I'll say, you're welcome. Appreciate you. You know, and the same thing I did when I remember the first time I saw Emmitt Smith, uh, my rookie year um, at the Super Bowl in San Diego, where the Packers lost to the, the Denver Broncos. And I remember seeing Emmitt for the first time in person. And of course, I could barely talk. I'm just like, <laughs> it's that dude. Like, oh my God, this is him. I watched him, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, um, Billy Bates on defense. And uh, just win Super Bowls on top of Super Bowl, and now I'm, t- you know, I'm two feet from him. Got to shake his hand and just told him who, I, you know, he recognized me right away, which was very uh, uh, inspirational. It's like, wow, he knew exactly who I. Oh yeah, you that kid from Nebraska, man. Y'all had a hell of a season, man. Congratulations, I'm just like, thank you, I appreciate that. You know, it's like I'm coming into the league trying to do what you do. You know, he's like, all right, this, well, get ready. And I was like, all right, I think <laughs> I know what I, I think I know what you mean by get ready. It's gonna get physical. It's gonna get real. So. Um, you can't, you know, the, to put that in the conversation, it just brings out the conversation. It makes mm-hmm. for a big debate. And that's what we see the debates of LeBron versus Jordan and, you know, myself versus Walter or myself versus Marshawn. It, it gives you great conversation piece. It does. But overall, we don't look at that. Like if we get to meet any of these athletes that as our own, we're happy just to meet them and shake their hands. And like, we got, I got a ton of respect for every athlete that I've either watched or played during my era, not just in my sport, but for all athletes. It's like, I wish I could do what those ladies could do on the volleyball court. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wish I could run as fast as some of the track athletes that I see at the Olympics or in college, you know, track level. I wish I could run. I used to run that fast. I don't do that anymore. So I'm going to live through y'all. <laughs> you know, I wish I could shoot the lights out like Stefan Curry did the other night <laughs> against, uh, against Orlando. Like, mm-hmm. come on. 
That yeah, right. even Caitlin Ooh. Clark, you know, gets the game buzzer, game buzzer beater uh, right. last. And Caitlin uh, Clark is back. But I do like, want to oh, ask God, you about that. We got to throw it to break, but I'll have you think about that. Which yeah. sport out of all the sports out there in the world uh, do you think is the most challenging sport to play at the highest level? And I want you to think Great about that question. next, because like that, that as one. we're talking about the base that are always had and will never end, that's always one of them. So think about that. We'll throw it to mm, break here I on like the Amon Green here. Show. Don't go anywhere. Appreciate we'll be right back. This is the Amon Green Show on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. All right, welcome back in to Ticket Weeknights, Amon Green Show. I'm on <clears throat> streaming in, host of the show as always. And of course, Harrison, Ticket Weeknights back at 1040 Studios. But nonetheless, I'm on to ask you a question when it comes to all the sports out there to possibly pick from. Which sport to you is the most, I don't want to say impressive, but the most challenging, hardest to be a pro at to go to the highest possible level um i will have to say men and women's rugby oh, i played okay. rugby for two years after football after american football as they say in the aussie world and it doesn't matter the size of the athlete doesn't matter the gender the sex if you can endure the brutality and the endurance of being a rugby player. And you got to realize this. What's interesting about rugby, what a lot of people may not know, and what you may not know, Harris, that a rugby seven-on-seven is only a rugby seven-on-seven pitch or game, match. They mostly call it matches. Mm -hmm. or It's only 14 minutes long. They have seven-minute halves with a two-minute halftime. This just shows you how brutal and how in seven minutes, you could be completely and utterly, you're so tired where you can't even get up off the ground tired in seven minutes because it's constant moving. And I've seen both the women's play and the men's play, and it's amazing. So rugby 15s is a slower game. It's more like football. Mm -hmm. it, it, they kind of have downs. They don't really say first down, second down, but you, it stops. The scrum has to reconnect yep. as you with the Philadelphia Eagles, they learned that from. I'm pretty sure they learned that from a rugby. They have a rugby coach working with the offensive line. Who had, he obviously not a rugby coach anymore, but he worked with rugby teams, so it makes a lot 100%. of sense. Hundred percent. So why they're learning the scrum? Also, the CLC Hawks, where they taught, and when we when the whole thing was transition, all the rules were transitioning into taking the head out of the tackle. All the assistant coaches for the CLC Hawks say instantly brought in rugby if not learned rugby themselves or brought in rugby coaches so beyond the tackling the ball and the clock once the clock starts it never stops it's like a soccer match mm -hmm. and so you're running jogging sprinting hopping doing something for 17 minutes in a game and playing it practicing it myself where i was like oh my goodness i'm like uh, if i would have started this as a kid i would have been i would have been i would have been phenomenal because it works your endurance, obviously it works your power and uh, agility as well. To then you got to hit people just like in football, and then able to run and separate from them. And then you have to be a great tackler. You got to be somebody that shoots for the hips, that knows how to wrap up. And there's no lunging into a person and hitting them to the ground in rugby. When you hit those people, if you didn't wrap up, it's not a tackle. So you got to take up. They call it proper tackling. If you don't do a proper tackle to the ground, it's not a tackle. Just because you blew a guy up. If they still – you didn't wrap them up and they still got the ball, they could get up and take off and run. And then then you got to chase them down or your teammates got to. <laughs> so that is the one sport that you got guys and ladies built like 
you got basketball players that play it. Um, one of the big guys for OKC that's from Australia, I know, I, I can't think of his name, but I know his face. He played rugby growing up when he was down in Australia. And and it was no surprise. I mean, you had guys that are 6'8", 6'9", that are running like deers and then hit you like a Mack truck. You'd be like, oh, my goodness. Is this this guy? That, you know, And the U.S. team had kids from Fiji. They had kids from Hawaii, had kids from America that – basically had to learn that endurance that training sprint training sprint endurance and then all that a football player has along with what a soccer player has i think that's the that's the combination of a rugby athlete they have the endurance and speed of a soccer player but then the power and agility of a football player um all in one and then maybe a little bit of basketball in there too i wasn't expecting that rugby that's a great yes. one uh real quick let's get this station id in here and we'll, we'll get out of here this is Lincoln's home for sports talk on the FM dial. Also online at theticketfm.com. On the internet. KNTK FM first. 93.7 The Ticket. But yeah, yours was a little more creative there. I was I was going to go for UFC. That was the one because mm. I don't care if that's uh, a woman in the lowest weight class. She's got a good chance of choking me out. And to be uh, the best at yeah. that sport, you got to get knocked out at one point in time. Get back yes. up and still think this is for me. So I think UFC has got to be the one. And real quick, what was funny about that, I did rugby first for two years. And then after rugby, I said, you know what? I'm going to go try MMA. And my wife said, why? Stop. <laughs> I'm always worried about you playing rugby. Don't go into the ring. Please don't do that. Because I was like, I saw Herschel Walker do it. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. if he did it, I know I could do it. I think you, you know? just seek out violence, Amon. I think. <laughs> We hey, got to get I'm out of here, good, though. A, Don't punt yeah, our up next. Amon Green, host as hey, always. Out. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you tomorrow.